Shalom, my friends. Jim Martin coming to you from Lake Jackson, Texas again. I missed last week of our broadcast because I was on the road doing family ministry. I welcome you back, and I pray that you welcome me back. We're continuing our study this morning on Micah's prophecy, this excerpt from chapter 6 of Micah's prophecy, so well known, so often quoted, and I think so poorly understood, just in my humble opinion. Let's just begin with a word of prayer. I pray that you are sensing God's presence with you in whatever situation you are in. I know that many of you are struggling with either health or relational or economic or other types of problems, issues, and challenges. But our Lord and Master, the Lord Jesus Christ, can overcome them all. He said that in this world we will have tribulation, and we've certainly confirmed that. But he said, take courage, cheer up, don't be afraid, because he has overcome the world. Let's go to him. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name just now. You know the struggles that so many people are having in the world today. So many of your people, your your saints, Lord, your servants. And Lord, our hearts and our, our minds, our spirits are with those in Afghanistan and Iran and some of the other parts of the world, China, that are being oppressed because of their embracing of your son Jesus Isa, Yeshua, Jesus, Jesus Nibwana, for my friends there, there in Eastern Africa, Jesus Nibwana, Jesus is Lord. And we proclaim that with all our heart and strength that you, Lord Jesus, are sovereign and master. And we just look to you for strength, for direction, for wisdom, for peace. Peace that this world can never understand. Peace that far surpasses all human understanding. Because in you, you are our peace. So this morning, guide this study, my Lord. Speak through your servant that the people may understand and be encouraged and challenged and motivated to love mercy, to show kindness to those around us who are in such desperate need. Even to our enemies, we must show kindness and mercy. These things we ask with gratitude in our hearts in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord and our Messiah and our Master. Amen. So then, we are continuing, as I said, in the study of Micah's prophecy, of his admonition. Uh, He begins, let's go ahead and review Micah chapter 6, beginning in verse 6 to get the context here. The people are saying, what do I need to do to please God? Well, we know as followers of Jesus that there's nothing that we can do in our flesh that will ever please God. But there are some things, because we are His followers and bear His name, that He does require of us as evidence of our Master. And here here it is in verse 6 of Micah chapter 6. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the Lord on uh, the Lord God on high? 
Shall I come to him with burnt offerings? With yearling calves? That doesn't make a lot of sense to us, Gentiles especially. We've never lived under a sacrificial system. Or then, have we? Have we thought in our minds and hearts that if I bring an offering to God, if I do some great service to God, then that will gain His favor? Well, then maybe we are living. Maybe we have lived under some sacrificial system. Do you agree? Hmm. Verse 7, Does the Lord delight in thousands of rams? If you gave Him all your money, would He delight in that? In 10,000 rivers of oil poured out as a drink offering or as an offering on the ramps? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts? Well, Brenda and I presented our firstborn and our secondborn and our grandchildren. We presented them to the Lord, but not to substitute or, or atone for our rebellious acts. It's because I, we wanted to present them to him to be his and you know what he received them every one of them shall i present the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul hmm it just isn't enough here then he has told us O oh man what is good and what does the lord require of you but here we go to do justice to love kindness or mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Father God, may the reading of your holy word bring glory to your name. Amen. Well, last time, which was uh, two weeks ago, I suppose, we talked on the issue of justice because these two Hebrew terms translated into the English word justice, misprop, and Shafat. These two terms are so foreign, especially the first, Mishpat. That is so foreign to the Western sense of justice because Mishpat seeks to restore Shalom. And I'll not rehearse all that. I'll, I'll give you a challenge if you missed that broadcast to our podcast to go back and review that material. Review that message because we must be seeking to restore shalom to wholeness to those who have been oppressed or neglected or have come into our communities with not the resources that we have. We don't need to be judging them. We don't need to be shunning them, I think. Uh, I know I'm going to get some criticism from some of my listeners on that. But we need to be seeking to restore shalom. In most of the cases, that means that we need to be discipling them in the ways of justice and walking on the, the Jesus road. But we'll not rehearse all that. I keep saying that as I rehearse it. So today we're going to go with the second requirement, as it were. What does he require of you but to love justice? to do justice, and to love kindness. Okay, let's look at this. To love kindness. What does that word mean? And so maybe perhaps some of your translations uh, render this, to love mercy. Well, the Hebrew word here 
is the word chesed. And I have long been intrigued by chesed. In most of the English translations, it is rendered either mercy, loving kindness. Uh, I think loving kindness is, uh, in the more modern translations, the most often rendering of chesed. Like many, perhaps most, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, many of the Hebrew words I've studied, it have it has various shades of meaning. And as I have said many years ago, uh, and believed and thought and rendered in my own mind, chesed is the closest thing in the Hebrew language and thought process to our concept of grace. And you that have known me for a while know that I am a big proponent of the theological and personal and philosophical concept of grace. Again, you that know me know that I do not consider the concept of grace to be simply God's unmerited favor, though it most certainly is unmerited and it most certainly is his favor towards us. But I think it's more active, more powerful than that concept. Uh, Favor simply, in, in my mind at least, connotes that he allows us to do something. And I think grace truly uh, is more powerful than that. It's more active than that. Uh, don't know the right words to put, but here's my definition uh, as a refresher for you that perhaps have forgotten it, that grace, in, in the Greek, is charis. And charis means the dynamic force from God that instills within its recipient the desire and the ability to accomplish God's will. Let me say that again, because we're going to take off on that concept. It is that dynamic force from God by which He instills within its recipient the desire and the ability to do His will, to accomplish His will. And you might say, how can any human being accomplish the will of God? Well, you cannot accept by His grace. You don't even want to. All you want to in your humanness, all I want to in my humanness, is to accomplish my own desires, fulfill my own desires, accomplish my own advancement. And that is so contrary to what God wants of us. Yes, He wants us to be fulfilled, but it's by His grace so that we might both desire and accomplish His will. Okay? So, to love kindness, chesed. How does that fit into this concept of grace? Well, what do you, in your mind, think the word kindness means? What do you think mercy means? Are they related? We tend to not directly equivalence these two words, and even though that they are rendered into English from the same Hebrew word, chesed, both kindness and mercy, we don't 
seem to associate those two as like being synonymous with one another, do we? Uh, do you think the word kindness means to be nice to somebody? Oh, uh, they're so kind. No, it means to be useful. It means to help, to, do, to seek to help somebody. Right? Mercy. What does mercy mean? Well, I've, I've looked this up and, and really uh, studied that, even uh, reviewed it this morning. To be merciful to someone. In essence, it means not to render unto them what is due them as far as paying them back. Being merciful means to, uh, to show God's love. What does the Greek term agape mean? You know, there are many Greek words that are translated into the English word love. But the most powerful and the most godly of these words is agape. The verb form is agapeo. And it means to seek the highest good of its recipient. So, if I say that I agape my wife, it doesn't mean that I'm simply kindly affectionate towards her. It doesn't mean that I seek uh, to snuggle up with her, though I do. Okay, that's getting a little personal. But it means that I want her highest good. That means that I'm, I'm uh, willing to put aside my own desires and my own comfort even so that Brenda's well-being is enhanced so that she grows closer to God in her own personal walk. Yes, some of that is discipling. Some of that is setting the right example for her. Some of that involves even removing distractions from a person that I know would be distracted or disturbed by something. I need to remove that so that they can grow in their walk with Jesus. This is kindness, my friends. This is mercy. To show mercy. Now let's talk about that some more. Uh, I've given you a link to the study notes, and we're just let's just go on down there. I call it God love. This agape. It's it's God love. It's seeking again, and I'm being redundant here. Forgive me for that, but I want this concept to be burned into your soul that it is seeking the highest good for its recipient without expecting any kind of reward or action in kind from that recipient. How similar is that concept to human love, to even phileo, which we call brotherly love? It's certainly the closest thing I have as an analogy in the human realm is a mother's love for their infant child. That child can do nothing for that mother except depend upon her. Yes, the mother feels the child's love and devotion, but mostly that mother just gives and gives and gives and doesn't get anything from that child until perhaps and hopefully later on when the child begins to reciprocate and begins to show love, even agape, to its mother. So that's the closest thing, but even that pales when compared to God's love for us. He showed his love to us. Even while while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That 
my friends, is agape, and that is mercy. Would you agree with that? And so we can take this kindness concept, this being useful, seeking to help another, and we can take that and apply it to Micah 6.8b, to love kindness, to love mercy. Are we seeking that mercy? To help one afflicted, says Thayer. He's a lexographer back in the 18th century, I believe. To have eleo, which is translated mercy in the, in the Greek New Testament, is to have mercy upon someone, to help one who is afflicted and seeking aid. You remember the blind men? Blind Bartimaeus, and in another gospel, uh, the, the two blind men in Jericho who, when they heard Jesus was passing by and inquired what was all the, the commotion about, they, they cried out and made a, a proper nuisance of themselves and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon us. And the crowd was saying, be quiet, be, be quiet, don't disturb him. No, the master wants to be disturbed. He welcomes our crying out to him. Because Bartimaeus, the two blind men, they, they knew in their spirits who this Jesus was. Son of David, inheritor of David's throne, king of Israel. And they did not extend that. They didn't know to extend that to king of the universe. That's who Jesus is. That's who our Lord is. King of the universe. Praise His name. Amen. Jesus, Son of mercy, have mercy on us. What do you want? Lord, we want to see. Perhaps you don't see what God wants you to see this morning or this day. Would you cry out with Bartimaeus, with these blind men, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, I want to see. Oh, I'd love to preach on this. Maybe maybe the Lord will give me opportunity to preach on this. <laughs> I think it's going to be a long sermon. I think I can make a sermon series. Oh, wait a minute. I am making a sermon series. What am I talking about? God's people of all the people on earth. Now, getting back to our notes should be alert in ways in which we can benefit those around us. Since Jesus is always, God is always alert to our needs. Hebrews 7.25 says, He ever lives to make intercession for us. What is Jesus doing right now at the right hand of the Father? He is pleading for you and for me. He is making intercession. He has, he has stood in our place. He has hung in our place. What does 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 say? He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. For what purpose, we ask? Why would He do that? So that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Not the earned righteousness my friends no we could never ever earn god's righteousness it is imputed to us when we believe in him imputed 
we are clothed with his righteousness when we believe him, when we have fallen headlong into Jesus and placed all of our hopes, all of our expectations in him. That's what biblical faith is all about. It's believing him regardless of the circumstances. I'm not sure when you're going to be listening to this message, uh, whether it be on Facebook Live, on a a video, or whether it be on our podcast. But, uh, which, by the way, I pray that you share with others. Would you do that for us so that others might benefit from God's Word here? At At the recording of this, the people of Afghanistan have been all but abandoned by American forces and American uh, government. Uh, and we won't get political here. I, uh, please, Lord, don't let me get political here. The fact is, there are many Jesus followers, both the of the Afghan and other peoples, and thousands of Americans uh, in Afghanistan. I had no idea that there were so many people over there uh, from our country. I know that there's a a tremendous support effort, medical, logistical, clerical even, and those people have been abandoned by our government when we pull the the armed forces out. Uh, This is unconscionable. So where should these people turn? Because the Taliban, the terrorists, thugs, I've called them, are blocking the access to the airport and to uh, exit venues. My people, and if you're, if that crisis has been resolved by the time you listen to this or uh, hear this or view this, then most certainly there is another crisis that's going to pop up where God's people are being oppressed and hindered from freedom of movement and freedom of expression. So, my, my friends, what should we do? We should have mercy. We should pray. You say, what can I do? I'm thousands of miles away. There's no way I can help them. Yes, you can. Pray with me that God would blind the eyes of the oppressors. Look, read in your Bible in Genesis chapter 19 and 2 Kings chapter 6. Just two examples where God has blinded the eyes of oppressors, of those who would seek to do harm to God's people. And I have prayed this specific prayer. Would you join me? Lord God, blind the eyes of the oppressors of your people, not just the Taliban, but the others in in parts of this world that we know not of, in the Middle East and in the Far East, in South America, even here in America. God's people are being oppressed and hindered from doing what he has challenged and commissioned us to do. So pray with me that those hindrances would be themselves oppressed, that the oppressors would be oppressed and a wall of hindrance be erected uh, against them. Here I go preaching again. Well, there you are. Indeed, this is one of the indications of the Holy Spirit's activity when we begin to show kindness and love to those around us, even those who oppose us. We are to show God's love. What is the very foremost and premier 
evidence of the Holy Spirit as given to us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It is love, and then joy, and then peace, and then what? And then kindness is an evidence of God's Holy Spirit having control and acting in and through us to show kindness, to show mercy. Jesus, in his sermon, his disciple-making on the mountain, he said one of the one of the what we call the beautiful attitudes or the beatitudes blessed are the merciful why what what's that what are we going to get from it well that's the wrong question of course blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy now how about you do you want mercy or do you want justice well you uh, so many of us are crying out for justice i've been done wrong well Let's change that. Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. I have so many scriptures that I would love to share with you this morning. I, I really do. There, there are scriptures after scriptures that we could share with you on this subject. Maybe the guy's just saying, okay, Jim, that's enough. You just need to, to be quiet at this point and... Turn it over to me. What does the Lord require but to do justice, to love mercy, to love chesed, to love kindness, to be useful? He wants us to be useful. Not to consume our resources all on ourselves, my friend, but to be useful. To show mercy to those who do not deserve mercy because I did not deserve His mercy. I deserved His judgment. And there's a verse in James chapter 2 that says, says, The law brings judgment, but mercy triumphs over the law. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Yes, we should do justice. We should do justice. We should do the mishpat. We should seek to restore shalom at every opportunity. But all my friends, let us love chesed. Let us love loving kindness. Let us do good unto others from the, in the spirit of agape to seek their highest good, which is to walk with God in His truth. Amen and amen. Pray with me. Now, Father God, we thank You that You have shown us these truths. That we, yes, we should do justice. We should seek shalom in our home, in our soul, in our own souls and spirits, and in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our states, our nations, our provinces, wherever we live. We should seek shalom. We should stand up for and defend the oppressed, especially those that are being depressed because of their embracing you as sovereign and Lord. And especially those that are trying to do what you have commanded us to do. Let us defend them and encourage them and support them. And Father, let us do it in the spirit of 
agape, to seek the highest good, which is to know you, to love you, and to walk in your commandments. These things we ask with thanksgiving. In the precious holy name of Jesus, so be it. Amen and amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. I'll talk to you next week by God's grace.